0: week we had a we had a uh, we always have our debrief uh, after the service on from every Sunday and I I wanted you to hear what uh, I want you to hear what Stephen was saying to me this morning on stage because I think it's so apropos for where we're headed this morning go ahead
1: So um, so we were talking. I, I was telling him this morning that I had been thinking about our meeting and how, how distinct the Holy Spirit is compared to Jesus. And I'd never thought about it my entire life. And we were talking about it, and I was thinking, you know, Jesus, he's... In the past five years, I've so noticed Jesus being near me in all of these... Horrible things, all these things that I never wanted him to see or never wanted anybody to see. And that he didn't really have any problem with it. He would sit there the whole time. But then the past, p- past few times that we've had, that the Holy Spirit has come close, there's been such a sense of, don't grieve me. And how easily he can be offended, how easily he can turn away because of offense. And I was thinking, it's so weird how distinct he is compared to jesus and i was telling him i was like it's not that because i you know we've been in charismatic circles i have been at least so you get really used to you know an outpouring of the holy spirit and usually it it, you know resolves in a lot of laughing and and you know falling down and all this stuff not that none of that stuff is not true but i told carol i was like it's really weird after last week it was like it was like knowing somebody through other people And then one day the person actually comes, and you meet them, and you're like, oh, you're completely different, yet you're the same. There's still parts of you that are just like that, but you're completely different than I thought you were. And so it's just been really something I've been thinking a lot about is this distinctiveness of actually all three of the Godhead, but especially the difference between the Holy Spirit and Jesus.
0: What he was saying this last week, it really struck me in the debrief. What Last week there was such a, and Kara said this too after the meeting, but there was such a sense of the weight of the Lord that came into our environment and, it, and you feel uh, like if the Lord was to mark iniquities, who could, stand? who could stand? And then the Lord in the middle of the service last week was proclaiming, I, I was on the laptop, he's like Isaiah 52.2, it says, uh, you know, get up daughter out of captivity, take the chains off your neck it's over and and i went into the hebrew and i began to read that and i i said oh it it says this is what it it says in the hebrew it 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 says like this get up out of the dirt stand up and take a position of seated honor that's what that uh, isaiah 52 2 means and i was like holy spirit your weight was here so much it was so much the weight of the Holy Spirit coming here to transform us to a place of seated honor and we don't know sometimes how to accept the royal treatment weight comes and we think I can't stand and he says no now stand now be seated with me in the heavenly places Holy Spirit is moving in our midst and um, truly comes and you know what this is technically called in the Hebrew the Kavod. it's the glory of God the weighty presence of the Lord and because he has permission to come and because we've asked Holy Spirit to come he will because he with the Holy Spirit like Stephen was saying it's almost like with Jesus he's unoffendable blessed are those that are not offended by me and uh jesus will hang out with you i don't know how to explain (laughs) yeah he's a okay yeah jesus is offensive (laughs) but he's kind of like jesus to me you know i've met the father hashem and he's like he's really sort of humorous and uh sort of like really to the point the son is kind of like super courageous but really cool but the Holy Spirit can easily be grieved. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is the feminine attribute of the Godhead. I thought we were talking, I said Stephen was saying something to the effect that if someone hurt your children, if who do you want to come and deal with? Yeah, who do you want to have to talk to if someone hurt the kids of the family? And uh you want to talk to the male <laughs> because if you mess with that female with her children she's going to act in a way that is of a warrior of a whole nother level what's been amazing to us about the holy spirit is his warfare and his conduct and his uh his complete devotion to jesus seems to be yeah. to an extreme that it i don't know how to explain but I was telling stephen i never felt My own masculinity, as strong as it is, when the feminine attribute of the Godhead shows up. Now, Jesus is so courageous and masculine. He is as the Son. But when the Holy Spirit comes, and this weight comes, this warrior nature comes, and we want to give honor to the whole Godhead today. Uh, to who we serve because we serve him in three persons god in three persons Stephen, and i was saying too i said i think i don't even know him that well but i want to know you holy spirit i know you hear us right now i know how you've been coming around the edges of our tabernacle and over the top in the glory cloud i know that you're hanging out around us looking for a people that'll say i want you more than my whole life and I'll take you more than anything, and we say that to you this morning, that you can come and hang out with us. And you know that when you come, a lot of times, a lot of people, will it will scatter them. But your coming is the greatest desire and delight of our lives, is to be known and to know you. Psalms 47, all the nations, clap your hands. Shout out to God in celebration. For the sovereign Lord is awe-inspiring. He is the great king who rules over the whole earth. He subdued nations beneath us and countries under our feet. He picked out for us a special land to be a source of pride for Jacob, whom he loves. God has ascended his throne amid loud shouts. The Lord has ascended his throne amid the blaring of the ram's horn. Sing to God, sing. Sing to our King, sing. For God is king of the whole earth. Sing a well-written song. God reigns over all the nations. God's sitting right now on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble along with the people of God of Abraham. God has authority over every ruler of the earth. And we magnify you, Lord, this morning. And may you be magnified in this place on the praises of your people. Can
2: you hear this groans in our spirit? There for you, we long for you.
0: This chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to blow over the earth, and the waters receded. The fountains of the deep and the floodgates of heaven were closed, and the rain stopped falling from the sky. The waters kept receding steadily from the earth so that they had gone down. And by the end of 150 days, on the seventeenth day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on one of the mountains of Arad, and the waters kept on receding until the tenth month, and on the first day of the tenth month, the tops of the mountains became visible, and at the end of forty days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and set out the raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the waters had dried up the earth, and then Noah sent out the dove, to see if the waters had receded from the surface of the ground. And the dove could not find a resting place for his feet because water still covered the surface of the entire earth. And so it, it returned to Noah in the ark. He stretched out his hand and took the dove and brought it back into the ark. And he waited seven more days. And he sent out the dove from the ark. And when the dove returned to him in the evening had a freshly picked olive leaf in its beak. And Noah Noah knew that the waters had receded from off the earth. And so he waited another seven days. But then the dove found a place to permanently dwell. Lord, you long for permanence in us. You're looking for a place to dwell. We open our hearts to you this morning. Oh, Tom, oh Holy Spirit, come and find in us a place where you can dwell, a resting place, where you can dwell permanently.
2: So you come? you come? you come? Pray. Yeah. praise his name I will praise So he surrounds you, he said you are new, so you are new. Don't be like the Greeks who are waiting and waiting and waiting, trying to So it is...
0: Stephen was um, seeing that he surrounds us, I'm over here in the Lord's sharing with me these passages on him being a shield for you, and I want to read some of these passages over you because it's particularly said, I, I want to put a shield around my people, and I want you to pray over them, and so, I, you know, yes to the Lord in that. <clears throat> this would be like a like a shield you couldn't see, right? A shield that you can receive that will put a protection over your mind and a shield your heart from the enemy who seeks to come against you as his people and just put a, a complete protection around you listen to Psalms 28 verse 7 the Lord is my strength and my shield I don't know if you've ever like thought about that but the psalmist is saying the lord himself is my shield how can a person be in another person but the lord in you by the holy spirit the agency of the holy spirit is your strength so for those of you that need physical strength in your bodies I pray this morning for a healing of your body and to give you strength that you need strength to stand uh, strength to go in your vocations and the work that you've been called to uh, strength that comes only by the Spirit of God I pray strength on your your mortal body that you'll be strengthened Ephesians says that you will be strengthened with might in the inner man And that might would come into your body, your physical body, and strengthen you today. He also says that He's my shield. And so, I ask the Lord to put a hedge of protection around you this morning and to shield you. You have an advocate with the Father. The man Jesus Christ will advocate for you. Allow Him to be your advocate. Don't advocate for yourself, but... Let him be your advocate. He advocates better than we can and can solve issues better than we can. And he says, my heart trusts in you. He doesn't say my heart trusts in someone else to be my advocate. He doesn't say my heart trusts in another security system to be my shield. He, He doesn't say that my body needs another methodology to... Uh, for strength, he says, You, the Lord, Yahweh, you're my strength. Yeah. And I trust you, Lord. And that's something that I would ask you to do this morning with the Lord to transfer your trust. And whatever you're dealing with, and the issues of advocacy, and the issues of strengthening your physical body, that you would just allow it to be transferred over to trust in Jesus right now. I love what he says. He says, I am helped. And this is a now word that is a perpetuating word. In this tense, I am helped. What about tomorrow, Carol? Well, tomorrow has its own problems. He says, I am helped. What about right now? Right now in the moment. Say, Say that with me. I am helped. Say it again. Your help from I am. Right? I am helped. Because many of us we have things that we can't resolve. Anybody else in here have those issues? Non-resolved issues? The Lord says, I am your helper. And then he says this, and I and I think this is what happens to us in worship. Therefore, my heart exalts. When you realize he's got everything taken care of for you. Everything is provided. Everything is resolved. Everything in him is complete for you. I don't have to leave. I don't have to walk out. I don't have to concern myself about tomorrow. Right now. My heart exalts you, Lord. It just exalts you because... Wait a minute. The thing that was bothering me, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to concern myself with it. Why? Because you got it. And with my song, I shall thank him. And that's what Stephen was saying, the the song that's in your mouth. Psalms 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Here again. He is my deliverer. I can't tell you how many times as a believer that I always, I didn't know I was doing this, but I was looking at someone else for a point of rescue. And the Lord was like, will you just trust me? Well, you know, if they would just, uh, if they would just do this, if he would just, if that situation would change, this thing would be resolved. And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to get you down even if you're backed into a corner I'm going to have you trust me fully my God my rock in whom I take refuge Again David saying my shield and the horn of my salvation you're my stronghold Genesis 15 1. Abraham and Sarah waiting on the promise of the father to be delivered what happens the Lord comes to him in a vision saying this to him saying this to you today is where do not fear or are we trans even this this is an issue with some neurotic anxiety neurosis It's the things that could happen but uh, haven't actually happened. Some people really deal with neurosis a lot. They anticipate something that could, wring their hands about things could, and he says, hey, do not be afraid, do not fear. Well, what if, and what if, and this fall, and you see what I mean? He says, give it all to the Lord. David had learned, give me your neurotic fears. The fears that, they're not even uh, placed into, like, there's not any reason to even have them. A lot of people deal with this. Neurosis says, I am your shield again. I love this, too, because uh, he says, your reward shall be great. I love, I love what it says in Hebrews that he says, believe that I am and that I'm my what? Of those who diligently seek him. We don't just need a theology that God is that's primarily important I agree but we need to be anticipating a reward any Christianity that tells you anything different than that is sidelining the reward it is not right the Lord will reward you he is a great rewarder of those who diligently seek him and we can't have a context where there's no resurrection Paul said you would be miserable if you didn't get a resurrection story if you don't get a reward you're miserable so there's people that go around they say we believe the Lord and they just go after believing the Lord but they don't believe there's a commensurate blessing in believing there is always even in the natural things in health relationships finances God will take care of you it's not ethereal it's reality christianity has to be real it has to be reality or it's not christianity god took on flesh right he's real listen to this deuteronomy uh, 33 29 blessed are you o israel who is like you that many of you would say hardly anybody (laughs) who is like you Israel a people saved by the Lord everybody else is getting saved a different way but you're a people who is like you there's no one else like you the people of God who will be saved by the Lord and who is the shield of your help who's going to shield you Is it gonna be the security company? Where are you placing your trust? Who is the sword of your majesty? Your enemies will cringe before you. Take that enemy. (laughs) And you will tread upon the high places of your enemy one of the interesting things about that last part and I I find this very uh, um, it's a posture change when you go actually to a high place and you tread on your enemy you know what that means that means there's some um, get up and go. There's some um, courage in you. That means that you're not sitting back passively letting someone run roughshod over you. You're actually aggressively seeking the high place that your enemy has possession. You're going after it. And you're not going to back off. A lot of us in the church, he showed me this this last year, got into a posture of, Of expectation of God rescuing us but there's another part of this where the Lord expects us to go after and take that which he has given us he tells the people in the promised land go take your possession there's a posture that you have to have in the waiting that you're taking you need both postures and it's uh, human nature to seek comfort and pleasure it's that's the human propensity there's another propensity that has to rise up in us and say i'm not going to sit back and let and quit believing the reward of the lord and lord says now go take it that's what we learn in these worship sets and pray sets that you're it's being modeled for you what it means to take your inheritance because you have an inheritance from the lord right now it's his that he's giving to you but there's a posture that where you have to just go after it you can know this that if you go after what God's promised you your enemy's going to cringe when you come after him you come after the thing that God has promised you it's going to cringe Psalms 33:20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. This is what I come to know that while you wait on him, there will come a moment in your waiting when he'll say rise up and go and don't let anything stop that don't miss the moment of your greatest opportunity There was a um, passage that keeps coming to me. Will they miss the day of the visitation, of his visitation? You know this place? So what, what this passage is saying in, um, in Luke 10, uh, 1943, it was saying that the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side and they'll dash you to the ground and your children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you didn't recognize the time of God's visitation. You see what happens to what he's saying, what happens to Israel when they don't recognize that God is visiting them. And So apparently it matters very much that we have our eyes in a place of recognition of when he comes to us. because what happens with what happens with israel is jesus had come to visit them and you know in 70 a.d the temple is going to be destroyed right it feels so good to know that we're not missing him. Right out here in this open pavilion in the middle of Mills River, North Carolina, we've set our heart for you, Lord. And you see us, seeing you, seeing us. And I know this with a clarity of His gaze, and I know that you surround us, and I know you're our great helper, and I know you're the comforter, and I recognize you to be God, and I love you. And with our whole heart, and our whole mind, and all our strength, and all our soul, we magnify you. And magnify you, Lord.
2: friend. You are the house around us. You are the goodness in
3: the end.
2: The darkness. It's where the light shines out. Oh, everything I could ever want, I can only find in you. There's no other way. You are the way. There is no other can only find
0: As you know, I'd like to just jump right into the text and and get started this morning. We have some ground to cover. Let's go uh, into 2 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 14. I want to recap last week as we head into this week and set uh, context. Uh, you've heard me say before, and you've probably heard other people say it, but any text without a context is a pretext, right? And so... The Lord, right when we were concluding there, he's like, make sure to give a context. And I said, yes, Lord, because uh, we do need that a lot of times because we can't frame a reference point. You ever, you you know, you ever related with someone and you got to tell them a story before you can actually build into what you're trying to get across. And the greatest context that's ever been created was when God became man. The incarnation. Philip will say, Jesus, show us the Father. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so, phenomenal context, the human being. Phenomenal context, Christ in you. The hope of glory. What a context. You, with his... Life in you, living his life through you. From, through, and to be the glory. Remember that? And uh, what's that? Um, Romans 11, at the very end there. For from him and through him and to him be all things, be the glory. You know, you heard me say, I call that tevatron. Teva meaning anything that's not made with man's hands. The aspect of the Trinity, the Tron, from, through, and to. 2 Corinthians 2.14, last week, Paul writing, But thanks be to God who always... Can you say that with me? And I don't do this much, but can you say always? Always. If there's anything, there's an inference and an emphasis on that word for you, for us, for the Christian Church, he always will lead you or is leading you, leads us in triumphal procession. Always, this is that this is always going to happen when you're in Christos. And you've heard me already lay a foundation for this in my preaching Christ is not Jesus's last name. He's not Jesus H. Christ, (laughs) right? That's not his last name. Christos is a Greek word that represents the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. And there's a lot of this language employed in the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, the word is Mashiach in the Hebrew. And so when, when Mashiach was applied or this was anointing that was smeared, this idea of smearing and anointing oil on a, a supreme authority throughout a land like a king or a judge. And when they would anoint that ruler or that leader, we see this anointing even be applied to Cyrus. So even leadership, even in the Old Covenant, it wasn't necessarily what we would call Christian today, there was an anointing. And they even, uh, even spoke of an Isaiah as Cyrus was a Mashiach. The Mashiach was applied not just to the Lord here, but it was applied to uh, kings in the Old Covenant. And, uh, you know, I can't do an exhaustive review of this. And if you want to uh, look into a really in-depth review on this by, I believe, an excellent scholar is the uh, Naked Bible Podcast with Michael Heiser. Listen to Numbers 411 through 422 to be very particular. If you want to hear Dr. Michael Heiser and Dr. Matthew Halstead do a profound uh, work in 12 podcasts on uh, Mashiach language and anointed language used from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, I would highly recommend that you take some time with this material because... Number one, I am not a uh, scholar. And so they, they really dig into the text, in and a, they're going to do probably 15 to 20 hours worth of teaching. And what they're, what they're going to come out with is that the Lord intended, even out of the Old Covenant, to put a profile, or what they call a messianic profile, onto his people. And that what Jesus is going to actually be doing as he goes through his whole passion is to deliver his Christos up for us or his Mashiach what he has as uh, the rightful sovereign ruler king to install to install you and I with a full the technical word in uh, with theology or theologians is a full christology into your human form I've never been so excited about anything in my life that God means to, by the agency of Jesus, give you and I his complete and full rights into your soul and place them on there. And uh, in this double helix series that we're in, the Lord showed me there are 10 aspects of Christology and 10 aspects of anthropology. Today, we are in the fourth set of these, um, and we're on the anthropological side, the human side. I want you to see this poignantly. I want to point this out that he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us into triumphal procession in Christos. I can't emphasize this enough, and when you go into your—I don't think any of y'all read the Greek— uh, I took five semesters of Greek at Gordon-Conwell, but I don't, I don't read the Greek well myself at all. But I have a, like a Nestle Elan 27 Greek New Testament. The Greek is, the Lord chose to bring his message through uh, the Greek text, and I believe because it has different tenses that we normally don't have in other languages. And it helps to really study the New Testament in the Greek. I, I would highly recommend you take Tom with concordances and look deeply at the text. Uh, but, but today, I, I just want to highlight that when you see in Christ or in Christos, that maybe you take your Bible and you really look at those times where you see in Christ or you see Christos in your Greek New Testament and you start to like think, oh, when it says uh, Christ in us, The hope of glory is not saying Jesus in us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. He's a human who is God. But he wants to put give you his full Christology. It's kind of like this. If you were to think right now of the greatest royal you could think of, it would be like giving you all the benefits of their royalty. that's a big deal. I I don't know if it like occurs to anybody, but to get the framing of someone's complete royalty given to you freely, all you have to do is receive it and believe it and walk it out with him. He'll give you his full entire royal nature and it will affect your natural life. It will affect the way things operate, your healing, your your finances, your relationship, it'll affect your call. It's, it affects you majorly. And I, I honestly, I don't think many people even know about this. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I do not. And I don't know that Christ has been preached. When it says in Matthew 24, 14, and the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in all the earth, and then the end will come, it's talking about The full-blown Christology of Jesus is going to be proclaimed in the end times. And he keeps telling me this. As many as we will receive him, he will give them the right. Think about this. To be called the sons of God. I mean, for, I don't know, unless someone in here grew up in a royal family. And I mean, like, true royalty in the sense of, in the natural Many people don't understand what Jesus is wanting to deliver. Do you know, when he began his ministry in Isaiah 61, he unpacks his whole plan. He's going to give them a crown and give them uh, new clothes and bless them and everything. You know what they tried to do to Jesus? Throw him off a cliff. That should be like, oh, yeah, you know, those Israelites, that's, of course, what they would do. Don't be so quick to think that way because I think many people have done this to him now. Yeah. They're spurning what he really wants to give them. he give us. They're living their life every day. Many people are living their life every day like Jesus doesn't even matter to them. And they go and they sign up for a weekend thing with him at the church. They don't live like before him. That is a completely different thing. It is a necessary Because the Lord isn't going to, uh, he's not that he's mean like that. I mean, yes, there is, the judgment seat of Christ is coming. Notice what that is, the judgment seat of Christ. Because you and I are all going to be examined. It's kind of like, the only way I know how to understand this, he's tried to help me. You will sit, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and your soul will be examined to see how much it looks like Christ. And what doesn't has to burn. And what does will be saved. But it'll come by fire. It's better to burn now than later. You know. So let us like, let us see this. And let us see what Paul is saying. Because when you believe on the Lord and you put all your confidence in him, you need to know that I will be led, I will be led. I'm not leading my own life. I will be led into triumphal procession always in Christos. And who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. The Lord highlighted this to me as well. We've been trying to pin God down into places but you're a living tabernacle you're a living person it has I gave you 2 feet and 2 hands 2 arms you're moving around everywhere every place i mean maybe you haven't been every place but Christ will be expressed every place and so i really love being in this open air shelter because it just has a sense of something's going out into more places Instead of, you know, our for no more, mindset is not a Christological mindset. A Christos mindset is every place, wherever you go, wherever your feet are treading, Christ in you, moving all around. And to think like this, uh, he set up a mobile tent in you. And he says that, you know, and brother salad, we're the sweet aroma of Christ, To God. Among those who are being saved. You ever been around someone they're just like, Oh my goodness, I love what you're getting at. Or I I love being around you. The people of God that are truly the people of God love to be with the people of God. (laughs) We do. We just... I'll tell you personally, I love during the week. But I really love it when we come together every week here. I absolutely have never looked forward to church time together, or being among God's people so much in my entire life. It's so wonderful. And he said it it brings out this sweet aroma of Christ when we're together. But I've been among those who are perishing too. And it says you're an odor. (laughs) I tell you, people that are turned off to Jesus will probably not like someone who is giving out the fragrance of Christ, they'll resist it. And instead of us getting, like, upset about that, you need to recognize it for what it is. If someone is on their path to death, they're perishing, they're not going to want to be around you. They're going to see you as making them feel worse. And actually, you are. Because they're having to face... What's going on in their life, and they don't want to, and it's because it's it's bringing out an odor, it's, oh, get away from me. I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. And you say, I don't understand. I didn't do anything. I I really like them, but they don't like you. Why? Because you're a odor from death to death. A former is a fragrance of life to life, and then he says something that is, Amazing, who is adequate for these things. Uh, you heard me say last week, and he said, we're not like so many others that are manipulating this gospel as hucksters, uh, seeking to spread the word of God for profit. He juxtaposes that, and I, and I tell you, it never works out well as a believer to be working somebody behind the scene. Without them knowing it so that you can use them for your own benefit. That is a dangerous thing to do. And he's saying that I'm not working you to get something from you at all. Because love cannot do that. And he says that I'm speaking in Christ myself, Paul. Before the Lord. Why is that important? Because he has the fear of God on him. He knows that his life is before God and you and I, a realization that the Lord sees everything. He's like, can see every perspective of your life from every angle throughout time and how it interacts with every other angle throughout time at a billion infinite level, an infinite level. I mean, we all have a perspective that is skewed. We see things at a certain perspective and but God sees everything from every perspective at every moment, infinitely. And Paul's saying, I know that you see me at every perspective. You see me in my private time when nobody else does. You see me out in front. You see what I'm thinking before I even think it. You know what my thoughts are. You'll know what my thoughts are 50 years from now. You already know it all instantly. And he doesn't, like, it doesn't shut down his uh, mainframe computer. <laughs> he infinitely sees it all now. And he's saying, I'm, I'm sharing this with you before that God. And I'm doing it in the most sincere way that I know. I'm, I'm authentic to my core as far as I know it. Because God wants Authenticity. He doesn't want fake. He wants you true to your core and your integrity all the way, as far as you know it. I was sharing that with uh, Sadie and Leander coming in this morning. Kids, he wants you to have a conscience that is clear before all men. And and uh, Leander looks at Sadie and he says, "He wants you to have a clear conscience." Yeah, he was wanted to make sure that you knew that. I was hoping that he knew it as well. But he was ready to proclaim it at least to say, Sadie, you, you need to have a clear conscience. Yeah. Paul's saying, I've been sent actually from God to speak to you. I come from him. He's a apostle. He's given a message. Context set. That was was." Dig into uh, where I'm at today. 2 Corinthians 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? You've heard me say over the last few weeks, and if you hadn't, just go back and listen to the podcast about the missing button. Listen, I want to share something with you just right off the bat. I mean, he says it. Paul's saying it right off the bat. His own self, commending of his own self, is problematic, and he, he's going to introduce the second Corinthians 3 to say, Wait a minute, I'm going to even draw into question, Am I bringing myself into a place of commending myself? I want to uh, tell you that one of the greatest things that will bring and erode your peace and the power of God's glory operating in your life is self not condemnation but self commendation i did it i didn't do it paul's going to introduce the letter that if i get into the into the action of self not condemnation self commendation i think paul is Oh, oh God, I hope I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a place where I'm commending myself again. Look how amazing I am, or look how amazing I am not, because you got to see it on both sides, because what Paul's going to do in this letter today is going to introduce God's glory. He's going to show us how the glory of God operates, and he's going to frame a question right at the very beginning, I believe. To even allow himself to ask the question in front of us today and even the Corinthians in that day. Am I already allowing my soul to be eroded by my own commendation? Because any eye that's at the center of and me. Will not bring in the glory of God. No flesh or what? None. Uh, zero. Zero. And I like his approach because Paul is a brilliant writer, and he's a very well-thought-out man. And he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's presenting the objection before he gets into the text. Hey, guys, when you look at me, do you think I'm commending myself? Is this all about me? Is this the me sauce party or whatever they call it? I'm the awesome sauce thing. And are you getting a projection from me that's telling you how amazing I am? Am I putting off something that says that this is all about me? Is that the kind of life that I'm leading in front of you? Or am I leading one of humble dependence before the Father? That I know that He sees me because I I know and I'm wanting to ask you actually. When you're looking at me, do you see me more than you see Christ in me? Who do you see? Am I speaking His voice? Am I declaring his truth or am I declaring me? I, I think it's one of the greatest uh, traps, especially in ministry, from us who are placed in positions to lead. But it's a trap for all of us as believers to go back to commendation of self. It's a, it's a perilous thing, I tell you. It has to be to the Lord. And am I commending myself? Because if I am, I cannot preach Christ. I can't. Uh, Stephen 25, 26 years of preparation to by the Lord to lead us in worship. And how much of the I has had to be crucified, brother? How much of how much of self-worship has to die a thousand times? How many times it had to die here? And how many times the Lord has a special way of dealing with all that. It's the thorn of Satan. (laughs) Comes from many different sources. You know, you can think sometimes that the issue, and you, you heard me say this about the button being cracked and the button being pressed and then no button. You can think many times that that thing that's causing you adversity in your life and causing you a problem is them. But even... Remember the scripture that says that he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you when your ways please the Lord. That thing will flatline us all on it. It's like crack the button, remove the button, only this left is Jesus, is Christ. Because if your button can be pushed, I would think and believe that something going on in your life does not please the Lord. If your button can be cracked and you're mourning your broken heart, I want to recommend that you go ahead and go through a proper grief process and forgive those who have cracked your button. And thank God for them that the button isn't there anymore and Christ is there. Because the one who commends themselves, again, Paul's struggling with this, why? He has a revelation of Christ that is so extreme. He's been taken up to the third heaven. He has more experiences than probably anybody he knows. He would be struggling with pride like you cannot believe. Just get, get me. I'm just a special. Get me back on the throne there. I'm amazing. He's an intellect to the highest degree. He's an academic like you cannot believe. He even says that. Hey, guys, I'm like the best. And I want to tell you. I count all that as for the excellent sleeves of the knowledge of Christ. You see that? Am I beginning to commend myself again? Maybe you could ask your spouse. <laughs> if you don't have a spouse, ask your friend. Go ahead and ask them. They'll tell you the truth sometimes. Some people don't want to. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Then he goes on to say, Hey, I don't need your letter of recommendation from you as some other people do. Do we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you would think he's sarcastic, but he's not. He's not being sarcastic. He's, uh, Do we? Do you think I need to get someone else to recommend me? No, I don't. Why is this important? Because so many people are going around trying to get someone else to approve of them. And what we need, what you need, and what I need more than anything, is a revelation that Jesus, by the agency of the Holy Spirit, sees you. It's the the most powerful thing that will ever happen in your human heart is when you realize that God sees you and knows you i'll be honest i live for that i love those encounters i had one this week i i think i'll tell you about it and if you think i've committed myself i don't know but i i went to um rei lydia was getting her haircut over there built more Park and i go into rei and i i've been wanting to swap my shoes out because the bottoms of them are wearing off and and I was like, I need to get another pair of shoes, so I go in REI, and they got this pair of shoes that I had up on my phone, and uh, they're they're made by a company called uh, Salomon. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I look at them, I said, Oh, there they are. So I tried them on. I was like, Those shoes are like so cool, and I'm they've been ordered, and I get them this week. I'm really excited about those shoes. You know, get to walk in another pair of shoes. I I go back to my uh, vehicle. And I, I, opened up this book. By the way, I, I, I sent it out, but I highly recommend this. If you, also with, uh, by uh, Haley Jacob, called Conform to the Image of His Son, I would highly recommend this work. Uh, it's been excellent. I end up, I've been reading through it for about, I don't know, maybe a, a half a year or so. It's pretty dense, scholarly work. And I look down, and it says, and the Lord magnified salomon and they spelled solomon with an a and it matched the shoes and i said oh this is amazing because i knew that he knows and he's just smiling right there in the moment i knew that he knew because i couldn't just open up to that and it was footnote number 96 and it matched with X2M96 two weeks ago, which the word is preeminence. And I said, oh, I love what you do. I have maybe three to five, maybe seven or eight of these a week. I kind of live in this experience all the time, and I absolutely love it. It's always like triumphal procession. You get an encounter with him. You don't want to miss it. It's like every relationship he designs. Every moment he's with you, even what you're doing in your own body, you don't even know you're sort of like once a man, twice a child. He's going around, and then there he is again, and there he is again, and there he is again. You want to live like that. It's powerful to the human heart, but it can only come, and he's saying this, am I going around trying to get recommendation from others or commending myself? One of the one of the things that... will put a stop flow on what I'm discussing with you is if you seek your own commendation or someone else's recommendation you need to let go of all of that go ahead and say I don't want to be I don't want to commend myself I'm not going to be all uh, amazing and tell everybody about how amazing I am and then I also don't need someone else to tell me how amazing I am I always liked it when Kara did And then sometimes she didn't. (laughs) We don't need commendation internal. We don't need recommendation external. We need a revelation of the Father to us. Of how he delights in us. And I'll tell you. Because if you've ever went to seek the recommendation of another person, they can never tell you actually how amazing you really are. They'll they'll always come up short. (laughs) You ever tried to get someone to understand you, and they just can't? And they're just you're just like, but I'm so amazing. And they're just like, sort of. You know what I mean? No one is ever going to be able to qualify the relationship that you need better than the Lord himself. No one. It's not even close. They can't see you like he does and know your heart's desires, where you're at in your storyline, in your journey with him. So again, he says this. He goes on. He says, you are yourselves our letter. And he's, this is a call to discipleship. This is a call for you to disciple. It's a call for you and I to give myself to someone else. It could just be one person. You don't have to have a whole 500 people to be successful with God. It's that one person he lays on your heart that you pour your life into. You give yourself. To someone, because he says, you're my letter. You're written on our hearts. You're known and read by everyone. This is revealing that you are a letter of Christ. You've been delivered by us. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God true Christian discipleship must take place from spirit transfusion or uh, transformation or transfiguration. It must be from life to life. Um, this isn't imposing your will on anybody or manipulating anybody. It's They become a living letter. Their heart is aflame with God. Uh, dads, in your home, you want to see this with your wives and children, mothers, with your children, with your husbands, families, that your family becomes a living a living example of who Christ is. And not something that has been written by ink, but by the very Spirit of God, meaning that the Spirit is the arbiter of the relationship. The most phenomenal relationships you'll ever have are the Spirit-led ones. They're amazing. They connect you better than anything naturally ever will. You know how it is if people say, well, what's the weather going to be? Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you need to know what the weather is. Okay, but you know those surface relationships, they never go anywhere. We're talking about spirit-led relationships. They go so deep. And if you're open, you crave them. You love them. You love other people. You want to be involved in other people's lives. It's not stone tablets. It's not rigid. It's not so structured. And if you've ever been in a relationship that's real cut and dry, cut you out, cut you off, Get out of the way. I don't like that kind of relate. It doesn't go well uh, with any of us, does it? Uh, we need uh, we need to give and receive. We need relationship. We need to hear. We need to listen to the other. Allow a voice to be heard. Expression. Uh, we need that expression uh, to have that dynamic in our relationships with other people. He's saying it's living. He said if if this is Something is going to be installed into the human heart, not on a tablet. You know, too, that while texting may be okay to get certain communication across, there's nothing like being right next to someone communicating with them, right? Because a lot of that has been on stone tablets or these tablets. And while that may be a surface way to communicate and we can, there's nothing like Taking a walk together, being personable, being right there, feeling the other person. There's nothing like it. I've had many great uh, walks with Gus Vickery, where he's at. Some of the best times I've had, just walking with him through uh, his development and us just conversing with one another. Wonderful experience. Uh, I think this man, like, healed my soul. He's a healer more than just a doctor. He is a doctor, but he's really a healer. And that conversing that asking back and forth and the love, that relationship, it means the world to me, Gus. It's meant the world to me. I can't tell you where I'd be in my mind, and then I finish our walk, and this amazing moment together. Because there's something that is human there, something that is real, something that's open. We have this confidence in God through who? What's your text say? Christ now that we are not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as it's coming from ourselves and now he's saying it again Paul is saying again I do not count this is my own adequacy I'm not trying to be adequate I'm not going to get it together enough it's not coming from me what is happening here is from him Paul's humility is wonderful here. Taking it to another level. He said he made us adequate to be servants of a new covenant. Not based on the letter, but based in the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The Spirit's ministry is is a greater ministry of glory than this other path of the rigid, of the feeling. If, you, if you've ever been in someone's home and it just, you know, if you've ever been around somebody and you're like, you know, all these rigidities. Don't, if you don't, you know, makes you feel so uptight. No, not the Spirit's ministry. He goes on and he says, but if the ministry that produced death carved in letters on stone tablets came with glory so that the Israelites could not even keep their eyes fixed on the face of Moses because the glory of his face, a glory that was made ineffective, how much greater will the ministry of the Spirit be? Remember at the very beginning, Stephen and I conversing. Who are you, Holy Spirit? Maybe we thought we knew him. I just want to suggest as a preacher of the gospel, I think I'm just now getting to know him. And he is holy other than. I think we've experienced a lot maybe of the mosaic ministry what is this greater glory that he is speaking of Paul is not mincing words here Paul is setting the bar of glory at a place that maybe we've never even witnessed let's let's assume maybe that we've never witnessed fully what Paul is proclaiming here in the text today and then let us let us let us be so aware of that. That we wouldn't assume that we have interacted fully with the infinite, distinct God as he is. And you and I know that we have not. But to some extent, we have. Why is this important? It's important because so many people today believe that they have arrived with God. And this is one of the greatest deceptions of the human heart is a rival. I've heard that a thousand times. I know what that's all about. You hear I at the very middle of that. I know what I know. I would suggest today that we don't know. Paul is not juxtaposing because who of us have ever seen a man that's face is shining so bright that we had to ask him to put a veil on it. And that is Moses' ministry. And he says in the text that this glory that is coming on the end time church is greater than that glory. And you know what it makes me think? I'm not backing off. Well, yeah. I can't assume I can't assume anything about the that and say oh we've arrived so let's just uh let's just do business as usual we'll just keep on doing it the same way when paul is saying there's a glory coming and i this is the basis of my message today says for indeed in verse 10 what have been glorious now has no glory because a tremendously greater glory of what has replaced it for what was made ineffective did come with glory but how much more how much more has what remains come in glory. Why? Because Moses's glory faded. But what the Lord is doing in us, and I tell you, because if you go on the line for the Lord like this and say, okay, you know, I'm not going to come, commend myself anymore. I'm not trying to seek, recommend, or come in from anybody. I'm going to go with this path that you're taking me on. I'm always led in triumphal procession in Christ. Okay, i have all right I got all that preacher I'm, I'm like I'm seriously going to like I set my heart for this and then you bump up to this one other thing and I, I want to highlight it to you yeah I, I've done that cuz I believe this is one of the greatest lies of the enemy and I do not believe this As the word told me this that what's happening to you is going to vanish tomorrow it's going to go away. You're not. You're going to have to circle the bin again. I do. I'm going to tell you this. I do not believe that. I believe that if you go according to the text and you follow the Lord, you will be transformed, and you will be transformed permanently. Now, you might say, "Well, my testimony doesn't necessarily always uh, look like that." My my self examination doesn't look like that. Someone else's examination of me doesn't look like that. And Jesus seated on the throne would say this. Behold, I make all things new. Now everything else is trying to distract you from that newness now is trying to get you back into commending yourself condemning yourself or getting someone else to commend you but the glory is related to what he says I say to you behold I make all things new new now know what happens when you believe that report the manifestation of God's light comes out of you it's it's like a it just works this is how it works because in that moment in that way you are in Christ you're you're I declare to you today you're in Christ now Because that which has happened remains, it's permanent, it's a permanent glory. And he says, because I have this hope, I behave as a bold man. When you connect uh, this message together, what it produces in you is boldness. Let's stand together. But it's not a boldness where I've got to take the veil now and hide myself. No, it's a different kind of boldness. It's a boldness where I'm saying, I see Jesus in me. Uh, we were worshiping this morning. I, I got up in the heavens and there he was on a platform of light, the Lord himself, shining like greater than the sun. I come over to Stephen. I said, I see him. He said, yeah, I feel like uh, we just need to sing about him um, and sing who he really is because I see him for who he is. And he says, you know, you're seated with me like that right now, now, right here. And what happens to you and me? What happens is this great boldness comes out because you see him seeing you seeing him. And this is the message of of real Christology. This is the message that Paul was after. This is a message that broke uh, prison doors open. Cause people to the enemy to be put to flight because the people believed that it's a Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now it's not some character reformation I'm going through, it's not trying to get some commendation or recommendation for myself. I'm in you now. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ now. You're a vessel for Christ to manifest himself out of you and through you. That gives him all the glory. I love this. I read this to one of my daughters a few weeks ago. But it says in verse 15, But until this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. Listen, hear me, hear me right now. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's not just your initial salvation, that's right now. It's a turning, it's a constant navigation to look at Him. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. and we all with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the lord are being transformed into that same image glory to glory true transformation is in the glory true transformation is when we turn our hearts and just look at him right doing it, you see it, you feel it, you're in it, right now, right now, you feel that's it, it's like a warmness, a a joy, a happiness, a freedom, a, a new felt freedom, now, you got it, Lord, you got the whole thing, you got me, he's got you, doesn't he, he's got you, he's got your family, right now. There's no fear in love. It's just fullness of God's love. Okay. Alright, let's uh let's have communion together.
2: World away and still not far. Like fabric woven into ours. The dawn, it shot all through the night, and the day is coming soon. The kingdom of the morning star can pierce a cold and stony heart. And its grace went through me like a sword And it came out like this song Now I'm just waiting for the day In the shadows of the dawn And I won't wait resting my bones I'll take these foolishness roads of grace and run towards the dawn on and on and when I rise dawn turns today
0: morning I reject all condemnation rejected coming from others or coming out of myself I will not receive condemnation listen you have to not receive it you have to tell yourself I shut that message off I will not receive it that is not that is not that is not the spirit of God's glory I do not take condemnation from anyone nor do I receive it in myself also likewise I reject my own commendation I reject trying to commend myself I don't want that in my life anymore and I reject the idea of trying to go around and get everybody else to recommend me I don't need their recommendation but what do I accept I accept that Christ lives in me now. I only accept that message. That's the good news. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message that I believe. That's the message that gives me boldness. Because there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ, there's no more commendation for those who are in Christ. I reject both sides of it because I have you, Lord. I have you and in you is my freedom a freedom that is permanent for me no one's gonna take it from me because you gave it freely to me you gave me yourself and i only take that i take your free gift of grace this morning i take your grace because your grace is good and I say, Lord, open me up that I may be a vessel employed for your and for you for your good favor, that I may serve and be a blessing to others. Open me up this morning, Lord, and let your river of life flow out of me. I receive your river of life in me now. That's why he took the bread and broke it. And said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this new covenant grace. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the new covenant. I thank you for what you've done for us. We bless you, Lord. We're so grateful to you, Lord. Thank you that you've changed our status. Thank you that you've changed our whole life. And we thank you for our family's life, for our extended family's life. Thank you for what you do for the people of freedom. And may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Amen. Bless you today.
2: and to wear white and my chest is full of hope and the dress and veil as snow and he said he come for me he know when I'm ready my heart is aching for the coming of the lord i must get